When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello, welcome to another Wisco Fanatics Wednesday. We're getting started just a little bit late today. Jake's having some uh, some technical difficulties again, unfortunately, but uh, we're going to get started. Jake will be in here in a minute. He's loading back up. Um, I got some uh, some new apparel for today's show. I'm actually wearing some fan locks. Um, I've been in touch with Thomas Grinowitz, the, the creator of fan locks. Uh, he's actually a really cool guy, and the cool thing about these fan locks is that for every one that you buy, they donate one to somebody with cancer so that they can rock the fan locks as well. And actually, what's really cool about, about this one is that you can wear it with a hat. So when you're when you're at a Packer game and it's super cold out, you can still throw a hat on over the top of these. And actually, they're made of wool, so they actually keep the back of your neck warm. So like picturing wearing these in like January and they'll keep you warm at a Packer game is a, is a nice idea. So, Jake, what's up? How's it going? Technical difficulties over there. Yeah, this laptop's been giving me a lot of issues. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll so if you don't already know, we've only been mentioning it for the last three weeks or so. Um, Thursday night, November 4th, 6.30, we're having a live show. It's going to be a lot of Packer discussion. We're going to have some stuff to give away. We're going to interact with some fans. We want to do a lot of that. And uh, Jake's dad's getting a pie in the face. So a lot of stuff to do on the live show. That will be a lot of fun at the Green Bay Parker John's really close to Lambeau Field, so um, going to be a fun Packers show that day. But got lots of Packer news today, starting with talking about the uh, crazy, stressful, insane ending Packers-Bengals game. Jake, how did you feel about that game? Well, I, f- I feel like every other Packer fan, I feel like I had a heart attack and I came back to life and the game was still going on. <laughs> I couldn't believe all the mistakes. And then, and then two more times after that. Right, it was like this miscast sides, you know, so it wasn't just one-sided. And that was crazy, and the inter- the turnovers, and I don't know. It was, it was actually a really, really entertaining football game. I can say that because we came out with the win, but it was actually it was it was a really, really great game, man. What did you think? I was, I was so much of like, oh no, and then oh no, and then yeah. oh my god, he missed it, like. Just such a it was like Aaron Aaron Jones said it. It was like a roller coaster of emotions, and that's yeah. that's how it felt. Yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> All right, so let's break it down. Do you want to talk about the offense or the defense first? Um, let's do offense first. All right, there's definitely good things to talk about on both sides. Um, yes. The offense being probably the more fun side to talk about. That being said. 
Uh, before we get into the office, offense, this is going to tie in. Uh, who are your three stars of this game? Okay, my family started at number three. You want me to start at number one or number three? Start at number three. Three to one. Number one being number okay. one. Okay, so number three, um, he's a Marshfield, Wisconsin native. Adam Stenovich. He is the Green Bay Packers offensive line and run game coordinator. It's his third season with the Green Bay Packers. Uh, I just want to say that he's just doing a great job, man. I mean, all the people who are getting shuffled, uh, different positions. I mean, he's making these guys play left, left tackle, left guard, center, right guard, left guard, right guard. Like, it doesn't matter. If you're an offensive lineman, you're an offensive lineman. And this guy's been moving up the ranks, and he's already getting talked about as head coach candidate for a lot of teams. I was reading up on him, and it, everybody's very, very high on him. So the Packers are probably going to lose him either after this year or next year. He'll probably be a head coach somewhere or offensive coordinator somewhere. Offensive coordinator I could see being the next step for him. Yeah, he, he's been moving up very, very fast in the NFL. He started with the 49ers a couple of years ago. But, cool. yeah, Adam Adam Stenovich been doing a very, very good job. I watched a lot of I like it. Of his interviews. Now, actually, pretty interesting. Um, my second one is Devondre Campbell. I mean, he's just – he's a monster. He's getting the tackles. He's getting tackles for loss. You know, he had that really big one on that drive. He had the pick first – the first pick, obviously. Well, the second pick of the game, but he had that pick right away, the first play of overtime. Mm-hmm. And he had that tackle for loss their next drive. And the guy's just everywhere. He's reading – he's making the right reads. He's flying around the field, sideline to sideline. And it's really nice to see uh, – us have a, a middle linebacker. Yes, Tyler. Yeah, that's been a... uh, my number one is Devontae <laughs> Adams. I mean, Devontae Adams is just amazing. 11 catches, 206 yards. He had an 18.7 average, a touchdown. He had a 59 yarder. He now leads the NFL in yards. Uh, yep. Uh, receiving yards. And I have a couple extra. I kind of wrote down a couple extra stats. Um, through five games, he broke his own his own team record with most most catches through five games at 42. In 2018, he set it at 37. Hmm. Um, he is 44% of the Packers receiving yards this year. And he is 37% of our targets. Only 37. Devontae Adams, yeah, Devontae Adams is our passing game. It is I would have I honestly would have expected that to be higher. Yeah, I thought so too. But when I when I was looking it up, I was like, oh, we threw a couple here, a couple there, eight here, six there. It's like Rogers tries to spread out. When Rogers is really the best Rogers, he is throwing to the tight ends and he's getting you know, he's getting everybody involved. Hmm. All right. So I'm gonna answer James' comment real quick. James, if you missed the beginning of the show, uh these are these are called fan locks. And uh, I think they go really well with uh trying to complete any look if you check out their website actually they uh they have different colors so basically any team you're a fan of you can get a pair of fan locks that'll match your uh, your team colors uh, james said i could have sworn crosby screwed you all over with those missed field goals but the bengals kicker couldn't kick either that's that's that roller coaster ride we were talking about it was absolute roller coaster ride of a yeah. game um and it was just crazy so i mean for me I had three stars, two two of mine are different than yours. So my number three star, I had Eric Stokes. And it wasn't because, you know, he did anything crazy. Like he didn't he didn't have any interceptions. 
He didn't have any, you know, he didn't have any sacks or anything like that. But what Eric Stokes didn't do was give up any big plays, didn't have any big penalties, which is huge because he's been getting tagged with some defensive uh, pass interference penalties. Yeah. So he didn't have any penalties and he didn't give up any big plays. The only big play that the Bengals really got was right before halftime. And it was on Darnell Savage who okay. made a play on the ball. And in that situation, we're going to talk about the defense, but you don't fault effort. So that play happened on Darnell Savage, not on Eric Stokes, not on Kevin King. Um, so Eric Stokes is my number three, just because Cincinnati has three very good receivers and they were held mostly in check. Number two for me was Aaron Rodgers. Wow. I mean, 344 yards on 27 pass attempts plus two touchdowns. Um, the interception, it is what it is. He was looking for a tripping penalty on that play. Didn't get it. Um, you know, it is what it is, but my number one is it's Devonte Adams. Um, I mean, what, I mean, what else can you say about him? Um, he's, he's the number one wide receiver in the NFL. I mean, the eye test shows it, the yeah. stats back it up. He just had a career high 206 receiving yards in this game. Um, and in the absence of MVS, people are kind of wondering, you know, who's going to step up to fill that deep threat role. Apparently that's also Devonte Adams. <laughs> he does everything. <laughs> so, so he's literally doing everything. I mean, he's he's the Keenan Allen possession receiver. He's the DJ Moore deep threat, and he's the Mike Evans red zone guy. I mean, he does everything. He really does. So Devontae Adams is the number one star. Um, so that's where we're at with that. So let's talk about the offense as a whole. Uh, Jake, what were your thoughts on the offense? Nice. That's a good shirt to have. Yeah. Bought this last year, and then we got the, the sad news about the whole offseason stuff, and I'm like, well, I better rock it today because they both played well on Sunday, and they're both going to play. That's a good hat to have. Very well. But we'll good shirt to have. Later. I was putting a hat on, so I said hat, and I meant to say shirt. Uh, I wanted to – you know, I talked about Adam Stenovich, you know, the offensive line and the run game coordinator. Um, I, want, I, I wrote down some honorable mentions in Dylan and Jones because I thought they both played pretty well. I mean, Jones broke out that big run, uh, the 57-yarder, 50, I believe it was, yeah. Um, he yep. had 100 yards. And Dylan, eight carries, 30 yards, but he had four catches for 49 yards, and he had that I was just going to say, like, we got to start giving ourselves credit. We were talking about A.J. Dylan improving as a pass catcher like two weeks ago, and then we really yeah. brought it up last week, and now he's doing what he's really doing. So, I mean – you know, it used to be a situation where you'd see Aaron, you know, AJ Dillon lined up in the backfield, and you're like, "Oh, this is an obvious run play." And now AJ Dillon lines up in the backfield, so people ignore him, you know, as if it's a passing play, and you know they're looking at it as, you know, AJ Dillon's just back there to block, and then he releases, and people aren't looking at him because they're not thinking of him being, you know, used in the passing game the way that a Jamal Williams would have. So AJ Dillon is is really really starting to fit into that. Uh, that running back two role. So um, definitely happy to see that from AJ Dillon after a couple of slow weeks. Yeah. Um, so the thing I actually had a career day. It was the first, first game in franchise history with a 300 yard passer, a 200 yard receiver and a 100 yard rusher. First game ever in franchise history. Nice. So, I mean, that's, that's a good stat. That's a good that's stat. Incredible, man! If you think about the the long history over a hundred years now of previous yeah. football, and we've never had that happen. And I wanted, you know, 
everybody's giving him Malafloor some flack because I I uh, agree with a lot of people. I think he mismanaged a lot of that end of that game. Yeah. I don't understand how you don't just put it in the hands of Aaron Rodgers and just let him win you the game. Rodgers is probably not going to lose you the game. Let's be honest. You know the numbers, the analytics, right. all that is on your side with that. You tell Aaron, uh, you got four downs. No matter where we are on the field, win us the damn game. He's Aaron Rodgers, right? Mm-hmm. But I wanted to give Lafleur some credit. Um, he is the third fastest uh, coach to get the thirty wins. Uh, it took him thirty-seven games. He's the third fastest. So that's pretty incredible. Only thirty-seven games to get thirty wins. That's pretty good. I mean, he's been been a good coach for us. He changed the culture. Rodgers is in a better mood. I mean. The- Packers team, man, you know, they're not hitting all cylinders. So many big names out, but I think the offense is still yep. explosive and the defense, I feel, is improved. I really do. Dude, it's I know it's, everybody's gonna call me homer for that. We're in that really 10 to 15. The defense is in that 10 to 15 range where it's like, okay, you know, when they're healthy, like they might have something here. Right. And like the middle linebackers are flying around, they're getting sacks. Like, did you see uh Chris Barnes in the first quarter? He blew up the running back. I was like, dude. You know how long it's been since I've seen a linebacker from the Packers blow somebody up in the backfield? Oh, no, no, not yet. Not not the burgundy jacket yet. We'll get there, buddy. <laughs> All right, so back with the offense. Um, um, but, yeah, I mean, the defense is not doing its thing. And... Matt LaFleur was the offensive coordinator for the Titans. He should know about thing while calling offensive plays, especially Aaron Rodgers, the quarterback. That's, you know, that James, that's, uh, that's a you know, it's a good point. That's why he was brought in to uh, – into Green Bay, and we've talked about this a whole bunch of times, where the the offense that they're running um, was designed to make average quarterbacks good. It was done with Jared Goff, obviously, and that you know it worked far enough to get them to a Super Bowl. They couldn't score any points in that Super Bowl, but they got to a Super Bowl with Jared Goff. Yep. And now, you know, it hadn't really ever been tried putting an elite quarterback in that system, and. Week or the the first year of it, it took you know it took a little bit of getting used to, especially for a guy like Aaron Rodgers, who's you know just been the gunslinger and calling whatever play he wants because Mike McCarthy wasn't going to do it. And then in year two, just absolutely blew up, and Rodgers threw forty eight touchdowns. So this this type of offense, which is also predicated on a lot of balance, and that works great having a guy like Aaron Jones in the backfield. So having having the personnel plus the scheme and then just the execution of it and the balance, it it really works well for the Packers offense. And obviously that's, that's what happened last year when they had the number one offense. All right. So back with Devonte Adams, the, the man that cannot be guarded. Um, even during the broadcast, they were talking about it, about how they're double teaming Devonte Adams. And he just ran straight in between them for a 59 yard pass play. That was so cold, dude. So cold. Oh my! So there's, you know, there's nothing you can do about that. And then the thing with that too is, you're you're so focused on Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones and Robert Tunyon in the passing game that now AJ Dillon is starting to hurt you in the passing game. That Mercedes Lewis comes out onto the field and you're like, oh, they must be running. They brought in their their big dog tight end. And then Mercedes Lewis gets a tight end screen ran for him, and he runs it for, what, 17, 18 yards? Breaks two tackles, makes a guy miss. It's like, okay, all right. We got we got Jacksonville Jaguars, Mercedes Lewis out here just making people miss and breaking tackles. Um, 
about him bringing people. some juice to the team and, and bringing the energy that the guys all get excited when Mercedes Lewis makes a big play. So it was uh, great to see Mercedes Lewis get involved. Um, on your point of Matt LaFleur, uh, he acknowledged he made some blad, some some blad, some bad play calls. Um, the biggest one that I would say would be kicking the field goal on third and 15. That one, that's the situation where you say, hey, like Aaron, Devontae, like go pick up this first down so we can either, you know, keep the chains moving and go get a touchdown or we can make a closer field goal for Crosby, who is, you know, his confidence is probably a little shaky. Like I understand the the want to kick it on third down just in case something crazy happens or you have another chance. But, I mean, if you're going to trust your defense with, you know, kicking on a, a fourth and one, why not trust them on, you know, a fourth and 15, you know, if you're in that situation, kick the field goal then. Even if you even if you run a third down play that gets you six yards, that makes that a forty three yard field goal instead of a forty nine yard field goal. I mean, I just that was the one play that I couldn't really get behind Lafleur's play calling. Other than that, I didn't really have any issues with Lafleur. I don't know if you agree with that or not. No, I agree. Um, I guess the one thing thing is I wouldn't. He kept running it us down. It didn't matter. Like in overtime, every every second down play was a run, and I'm like, I get it, you want to get the run, mm-hmm. down, but like, we're watching Mason Crosby absolutely, you know, throw up in front of our faces. Like, he, we don't want to watch it anymore. Just have Rogers throw it to Devontae, like we've been watching the whole game. It's obviously working. Doesn't matter if they double him. Like, Aaron Devontae, go figure this shit out. Basically, is where where I was. You know, that's kind of where my mind went, and that was that was me being frustrated in the moment. Mm-hmm. But you know, they say hi. Size 2020. So, you know, when you break all down like that, you're 100% spot on. I really don't have many things to pick at Matt about. I, I'd let Matt do his thing. And I talked last week or the week before where I think Matt's grown. And I said that about Giannis mm-hmm. when we talked about the Bucks. I think Matt has also taken a step in that leadership. Yeah. And, you know, and he had a quote today, and I'll talk about that later. But, you know, his, his response to the, to the question was just perfect. And it's how we all feel. You know, he said, stats are for losers. I just want to win. You know, and that's how we feel. We don't care if it's by three points or one point. You know, and Bears fans are like, oh, you, you struggle with the Bengals and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, did we get a win? We got yeah, a I win. Saw a, I saw a perfect comment to that and a perfect response to that, the, oh, you just beat the Bengals. That these – it was <laughs> – it was these are not your grandfather's Bengals. Yeah. These are not the Bengals of the past that had, you know, a hapless offense, you know, with, with a, a quarterback that's – three years in the league that nobody's heard of because he's always been a backup in his career with a AJ green struggling to stay healthy and, you know, no good running backs. You know, this, this Bengals team has a really good offense. If they had an offensive line, Yes. like, like this offense and Pittsburgh's offense, like if you gave them say the Packers healthy offensive line, they'd be in that top five area with the Packers. I can agree with that. Like that offense, like their offense has capable playmakers all over the field. Like Joe Burrow is a good quarterback. He's going to be good for a long time. Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and um, Tyler Boyd, that trio of wide receivers, you could really put up with any trio in the NFL. Like the the Pittsburgh Steelers, we talked about it last week, have a good trio of wide receivers with Juju Smith-Schuster, who's now done for the year, Chase Claypool, and Deontay Johnson. Obviously, we know Tampa Bay has Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown. That's a good trio of wide receivers. 
But like when you're talking about your top three wide receivers, like Cincinnati has a damn good trio of wide receivers. And then they have Joel Mixon, who has been a pretty good running back as well. So, yeah, Isaac, we know with with Bears fans, that's going to happen every week. Oh, you just beat blah, blah, blah. You know, it happened last year with the the 49ers team who was missing Jimmy Garoppolo, but still had the sixth best best rushing defense when the Packers went into a Thursday night matchup with the 49ers last year. And, you know, it's going to be every every game, somebody's going to find a reason to to discredit what you've done. And that's, you know, it's the same situation where we're going to talk about the Badgers. Because, you know, the Badgers had a shutout, but people are going to say, oh, it's just Illinois. Well, it's still a shutout. Like, I don't care who you're playing. Like, the shutout is still impressive. So, that being said, um, the, the Bengals, their offense is good. Their defense is full of guys that play hard. So, it's not, that was not an easy game by any stretch of the imagination. Not to mention that it was on the road, not at home. So all of those things combined, like this really wasn't just a cupcake game on the schedule. And, the you know, the Bengals are in a, a tough division too. Like that, that team has four playoff or poor playoff hopeful teams. Steelers. So there's, you know, the Steelers, the Steelers are probably going to end up finishing last just because their injuries are going to catch up to them. But like that team going into this season was, you know, a, a playoff contender. Oh, 100%. And freaking Lamar Jackson, what the hell has gone into that guy? He's a quarterback now who can run. He's not Dude, he's, yeah, he's nuts. He's nuts. He, he might win MVP again. I'm being completely honest. He he might. He's having a better year than he was when his MVP year was. I know. I mean, he misses, He still misses some. Right. But we're, we're so used to watching Aaron Rodgers just pinpoint into double right. teams. and He had a throw on Sunday. He's going – his arm gets hit as he throws it, and he just flicks it, and it's right to Cobb in traffic. And I'm like, what <laughs> just happened? I'm like, he's a god. He's like, I just watch Rodgers, and he makes like five plays again. I'm like, he's a freaking god, dude. I don't care what hair he has on his head, man, what mustache he has. The, the, he has, the, like, the fact that he can throw like across his body, throw like a weird sidearm while his feet are in the air pointed in the other direction. like Yeah, dude. Uh, that uh, that's arm talent that just isn't matched. Like you know, say what you want about Tom Brady, but his arm talent is nowhere it's, near Rodgers. So James made a good point that I want to bring uh, up. You... Okay, go ahead. Okay, James had a good point to what what Isaac was saying about um you know you know you just beat whatever team, um, and James made a good point that teams can always grow. Remember when the Jaguars came out of nowhere in 2017? You can't always judge a team based on their past. That's a really good point. You know, retooling teams. Isaac just made a, a great point too with with Patrick Mahomes. The Chiefs, they're last in their division right now. So, you know, these aren't you know, the NFL is in any given Sunday type situation. The I mean the the Lions were a 66-yard field goal away from beating Lamar Jackson's Ravens. So, saying that the Packers just beat the Bengals and you know, they're not that good when they came in 3 and 1, I mean, they, you know, their strength of schedule isn't what the Packers is this year. But, you know, like I said, they're in a tough division, good offense, decent defense on the road. This wasn't, you know, this wasn't playing the Lions again. I agree. And I'm going to, I'm going to comment about Isaac's comment down here about Mahomes. Mahomes is amazing. I agree. Mahomes, he can, he can run, he can, he can sling that puppy real far. But I want the comparisons to Aaron Rodgers. 
Rodgers to stop because Rodgers is far accurate. And young Rodgers was a problem. I mean, Rodgers now still has a little – still has a zip on his passes. But I'm talking oh, yeah. pre-collarbone Rodgers. He was a bad man, dude. Like, he had the zip. He had the accuracy. He had the wheels. Like, young Rodgers was, was different. Like 2014 Rodgers? Yeah, like he he was he was different, dude. And Mahomes is great. He's a, he's amazing at setting records, but we'll see. And I think the Chiefs are having – they're finally getting that Super Bowl hangover after making two in a row. That's what I think. All right. So I want to talk about Aaron Jones. He had a – it was a, a great day. He gave the Packers balance, which they need. Um, you know, I like how he was um, helping in both the passing game and the running game like he does. Um, gave the Packers balance. like So talking about the – the balance that the Packers run. Um, Aaron Jones had 14 carries for 103, um, 103 yards, and then the four receptions. So Aaron Jones helping with that balance. A.J. Dillon helping with that balance. A.J. Dillon finished the second most receiving yards on the team in this game. Obviously had the receiving touchdown, but, I mean, A.J. Dillon is really, really stepping up in the, you know, in the Jamal Williams role which is what we were hoping for last year when we were talking about free agency, that our ideal situation for the Packers running back situation was to re-sign Aaron Jones, to unfortunately let Jamal Williams go, and then to have A.J. Dillon as the number two running back, and we're seeing the player that we spent a second-round pick on. Yep. So, I mean, going from a situation, like I mentioned already, where you see A.J. Dillon and you're thinking obvious run play, and now that's not the case anymore because he's proving himself – you know, versatile and, um, you know, deadly in the passing attack. That's that's really seeing a big step from a second-year player. All right. He's, so he, he's, been, he's been. I think his volume's been going up each week, and he's really been performing yep. really, really well. Yeah. Same with same with Randall Cobb. His volume, his usage is going up every week. Um, that's something that Devonte talked about in his press conference last week. Is that as he's you know getting more familiar with with the guys on the team that weren't here when he was back and the coaching staff that wasn't here back when he was here, um, you know that's all increasing his role. So Randall Cobb is also increasing his role as well as AJ Dillon. So, um, you have anything else about the offense, or should we move to the defense? No. All right, let's let's talk well, about the, the defense, let's talk about the surprisingly good Packers defense. Now we're missing Jair Alexander. We're missing Zadarius Smith. Probably going to be without Kevin King next week. It sounds like um, what I read was he basically played this game with one arm, which makes the fact that he, you know, didn't give up a big play just that much more useful to the team. Because I mean, going against these three wide receivers, we're like, which one is Kevin King going to guard? Because you know that's going to be the matchup they target. I mean, Kevin King. He really held his own this game. He didn't give up any big plays. Like we mentioned already, the 70-yard touchdown came against Arnell Savage, who made an effort play on the ball. And you didn't hear Kevin King's name a lot. We talked about that last year a lot with Jair Alexander, that you know not hearing his name is a good thing. That means he's not getting penalties. That means he's not giving up big plays. So to not hear Kevin King's name really at all in this game is a good thing in my eyes. All right, Jake, what are you thinking about the defense? Um, I mean, we've said it before about defensive backs. Uh, if you don't hear their name, it's kind of like the offensive line. Yeah, exactly. 
it's a good thing, you know. Um, Dunbar, I just saw Isaac Um Dunbar was signed for depth, and because Kevin King's probably going to be out, like Tyler yep. mentioned before. Um, yep. But honestly, the defense as a whole, I feel like they played okay. I mean, you take away those couple couple chunk plays to chase, and we really kind of held them in check. I don't know why they stopped running the ball. I thought P. Ryan was running really, really hard for the Bengals. I mean, he had 11 carries for 59 yards, so that's like a five-yard average or something like that. Yep. But he, he was running pretty good. I don't know why they stopped running the ball, but, I mean, maybe because they were down. But other than that, like I said, take away a couple chunk plays and take away Chase, and we really played really, really well for how banged up we are. Yeah, and Isaac, to your to your comment about signing Quentin Dunbar, um, you know, when there's a guy like Trey Flowers out there, who's another name that I saw floated around that the Packers should take a look at for, for depth, it does – it sounds like Kevin King probably isn't going to play this week with a shoulder injury. Um, so that leaves it basically to Eric Stokes, Shannon Sullivan, Shamar Jean Charles, if they bring up Kavion Ento, Isaac Yadam. I mean, that's that's where the Packers are at with cornerbacks. And the addition of Quinton Dunbar, it, it is just for depth, and he was signed only to the practice squad. But he was also with Joe Barry in Washington a few years ago. So that's um, that familiarity is probably part of what plays into this, is that um, uh, Quinton Dunbar will be familiar with Joe Barry's expectations and coaching style. Um, and that's what I think would give him the edge over a guy like Trey Flowers as far as free agent cornerbacks are concerned. So that's where I'm at with the with the Quinton Dunbar signing, but um, we got to talk, we got to talk about Dean Lowry because he looked like, he looked like another, a, a Watt brother basically this week. So Dean Lowry. Hey, um, two, well, it was Bakhtiari. He posted on Instagram. Go ahead. Uh, Dean, um, Bakhtiari posted it on Instagram on his story. And he called him all day Dean. I love that nickname. <laughs> I I don't know. I kind of like Dean Watt a little bit because the <laughs> effort that he played with to get his hands up to knock down two passes, and then he had the half of a sack, um, and then the you know just the pressure that the entire team created. I mentioned already that the Bengals don't have the greatest offensive line, but for the Packers to keep pressure without Zadarius Smith in the lineup especially coming from, you know, an unlikely place like Dean Lowry and then Tadero Slayton getting in on the action. Uh, Chris Barnes went in and got a sack. Packers had three sacks and eight quarterback hits in this game. Hell yeah, baby. And that doesn't even include the hit that Darnell Savage put on Joe Burrow when he ran. He Oh, man. I thought <laughs> Burrow was about to be done for the day because he just tore his ACL last year. I was like, oh, boy. If they have any problems with that, then – He's about to sit down for a little bit. He actually went to the hospital for a throat contusion after that. Yeah, I know. That game. So we're glad that Joe Burrow's yeah. okay. Um, obviously, we don't wish for injuries to happen to anybody, so we're glad that Joe Burrow's okay because he's he's a talented quarterback yeah. and he's going to be around for a long time. But back to that, the Packers, I hammered on third downs last week, and the Packers did they did decent on third downs. Um the Bengals are, are not great at converting third downs. So that's, you know, that's, that kind of is what it is. They kind of both met in the middle there. Um, and then, yeah, just Eric Stokes. I mean, you can't, 
you can't really ask for much more than you got from the Packers secondary against these three wide receivers and Joe Burrow. The one play that Jamar Chase made on the sideline, Matt LaFleur said it in his interview, that you there's no defense for the perfect throw. And Jamar Chase making that catch and tapping that right toe down, um, that's just – I mean, the credit goes to Jamar Chase on that play. There's there's nothing you can do on a play like that. So that's, that's where we're at with that. Um, yeah, the only other thing I had written down was um, Darnell Savage. You don't fault effort. He went for the – for the pass to knock it down or try to pick it off. And he just missed it, but um, yeah, he missed it. And then Jamar chase obviously scored the long touchdown. So um, you already mentioned Devondre Campbell. So if you want to talk about him again, but um, that's where I'm at with the defense. I thought, uh, I thought Amos had a pretty good game too. He ended up with a pick. I mean, it was a bad throw by Burrow, but it was still good coverage by Amos and he was our leading tackler. So he was kind of flying mm-hmm. around making tackles, uh, doing what he normally does. Uh, Savage didn't have the best game. And, but like you said, you never really fault effort. And to your point about that that catch by Chase, where you tap the toe down, that's the yards that you brought up last year where you said good offense always beats good defense. And, mm. you know, yep. sadly, that kind of got us in, uh, on one of our other teams. But – it, it, it is true most of the time. Good offense beats good defense. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And unfortunately, we have to discuss special teams in this game. Yeah. Um, I don't have much to say. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't. It is what it is, man. I mean, Mason, Mason Crosby is not getting cut. So for anybody that you see saying cut Mason Crosby, that's not happening. Um, he's still been damn near almost exactly perfect for two full years in a row. And, you know, one bad game isn't a reason to cut somebody. Um, the, the kicking on the third down was still questionable for me, but, um, the last, uh, last thing I want to hammer on is the Packers need, this is all caps, strong, bold need to be better on kickoff return coverage. It is awful. It will cost us later. It will. It will. It'll hurt us in a situation where we play good offenses. Thankfully, the defense was able to kind of mitigate some of that today. And, you know, Cincinnati helped us out by missing some field goals. But four returns averaging 30 yards a return cannot happen. We talked last week about the field position battle and how you, you know, doing that and having a good punter helps with that. Putting yourself in a situation where you're letting the other team start at their 40 yard line, every possession they get after a score, not going to help you win football games. So that, I mean, you just, you just can't do that. It puts so much pressure on your defense to have to play in a short field that, you know, it's going to hurt when we play like a Kansas City. We have that coming up. We have to play Baltimore this year. I mean, those are offenses that you don't want to give short fields because they can score on one play from anywhere. And you're giving them an extra 20, 25 yards to work with than they would have had. So that's the last thing I had to recap from this game is the special teams, it needs to be better. Yeah, and 
the craziest part is usually the part of special teams that we never have to worry about is Mason Crosby. And he was, I mean, our kick coverage was terrible, but he might've been the worst player for us on, on our team on Sunday with all the, all the missed kicks. I mean, you can make an argument for that. And I don't want to bash on Mason too much because he did make the last one. He did make, he did win us the game technically speaking. Yep. So yeah, he, he redeemed himself. So he got that. We're going to um, be that and hope he can improve on it. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, a veteran guy like Mason Crosby, like I would trust him to to return to form next week. Right. But right, right. that being said, jumping right into it, talking about the Packers offense versus the Bears defense, you know what helps you from not missing field goals? Scoring touchdowns every drive. Yep. So let's talk about the Packers offense versus the Bears defense. What are you seeing from the Packers offense? Well, you know, uh, Isaac already commented it, but uh, Myers and Jenkins both practiced today. So that's going to be huge if we can that's get huge. Because the, Bears, the Bears really rely heavy. They're kind of like the Badgers defense in a way, where they rely heavy on getting pressure on the quarterback mm-hmm. and getting you in down and distance situations. If the Packers stayed ahead of the chains, run the ball a little bit, um, I, I really don't see any problem with the Bears in this. This game. Justin Fields is not a fit. Um, he really he doesn't strike me as a guy like I I've watched a lot of Bears games now. Like I wa- I watched a lot of them, and I haven't seen Justin Fields do anything where it's just kind of like, yeah, this guy's gonna be pretty special. No, I've seen fast quarterbacks before. I've seen quarterbacks not be able to throw before. And guess what? They don't last very long. I don't care if you're fast. Ask Ask Colin Kaepernick how that worked. Mm-hmm. And I know he was out of the NFL for for a different reason, but. He wasn't very good at passing, and he really just used his legs. This is a different Packers defense. The Packers are actually, you know, when you look at the rankings, we're better in total yards, we're better better in total pass yards, and we're better in total rush yards on defense than the Bears. Hmm. So well, I'm looking at points per game because of the stinker that we threw up. So what I'm looking at on the Bears defense is that. They allow 44% conversions on third downs. The Packers were four for 11 last week, so they're about 36%. So they do still need to be better on third down. I, I ragged on it a lot last week, but they do still need to be better on third down. So that uh, they have a decent rushing defense, but if the Packers can use it just enough to keep the balance and to set up their passing game, that they can work some play action in, which is something that I always enjoy is play action. Um, if they can work the rushing the rushing game to get that set up, I mean they they have nobody to stop Devontae Adams. Their secondary is very susceptible to the pass. Um, their safeties have taken steps back. I would say two years in a row now, um, and their you know their cornerbacks just they they don't have an answer for Devontae Adams is where we're at with this. So. Um, I wouldn't say to expect another 206 yards of receiving, but I would expect over 100 yards, probably another touchdown, maybe two, and um, you know some balance from this offense. I mean, we might see a little bit of extra AJ Dillon just to try to bang up on their front seven a little bit, and then you know maybe can open some things up for uh, for Aaron Jones. But um, that's you know that's kind of more of that is you know Chicago has a decent run defense. Not a good pass defense, and if we can loosen up their front seven and uh, work in some play action, it should be a pretty good day for the Packers offense. 
Oh yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I think I think Rodgers is uh, about to torch these fools, kind of like what he did against San Francisco. I can see that. But that's kind of how I'm feeling this this defense. Yeah, and Isaac made a good comment. Um, the red zone offense that needs to improve. I agree. They're at about a 55% touchdown rate. Last year they were up over like 75%. So there's obviously room for improvement there. Um, they just need to come away with seven more than three. I mean, that could have saved them in the San Francisco game. It could have, you know, saved them from being in a position where they needed to go get a game winning drive where their second last possession, if they had been able to get seven instead of three, the game would have been over. Yep. So they, when they get into the red zone, they need to come away with touchdowns, not field goals. All right. So let's move into, let's move into the bears offense. Um, if you want to call it that, um, <laughs> it's the bears offense is rough, but, um, Jake, what do you see from the bears offense versus the Packers defense? Um, the bears. All right. That's where I'm going to throw out some numbers. The bears average 240 yards a game. That's total. The entire game, four quarters, 240 yards. They average 113 pass yards. They actually have a good running running offense, 126. And they average 16.8 points per um, The Bears' offense is terrible. And the Packers' defense is actually pretty damn good. So when we're, when we're thinking about the game, you know, we're thinking, how does our offense match against their defense? How does their, you know... We do those cross matches. Yep. And our offense and their defense is pretty good. It always is. The Bears always play good defense. Yeah. But our defense and their offense, there's a gap. <laughs> it's very big. That's it is very big. One. I feel like we're going to force Fields into a couple turnovers. Maybe a fumble or two. You pick it. And if the special teams doesn't blow it for us and give up a big return or something and set them up, I mean, I really think that our defense can really, really take advantage of their very, very bad offense. I think Justin Fields is going to have a bad game, and I feel like everybody in the Prime Sports uh, mod chat is not going to like me after the game. So <laughs> it is what it is because I'm going to I'm going to be bringing that talk, and I'm also going to make fifty dollars. So the Packers are going to kill the bears it's gonna be bad uh, i want to give my score prediction because i'm so excited for it i want i want to know what you think of it my score prediction for the game is 33 to 13 it is not Ooh. going to be a game. all right now for four quarters will it be a game this is this is weird how often this is happening because i'm gonna throw my score prediction before i talk about the bears offense my <laughs> score prediction is 27 to 13 yeah, I did. I can't see them scoring more than that. I thought I was being nice giving them thirteen, dude. I really did. We should we should start keeping track of our score predictions and how many times that you and I like predict the same score. We're gonna have to find out. Oh, we do the, the Wisconsin, and we'll have to see if we're close on that one too. <laughs> All right. So for me, looking at Chicago's offense, their offense is nowhere near as good as the Bengals. No. They have the same. They have the same offensive line situation. The Bears don't have an offensive line. Um, whether it's Justin Fields or um, whether it's Justin Fields or Andy Dalton, Matt Nagy seems to be um, wanting to start a different quarterback every single week and never letting any quarterback start two games in a row. Um, so it's maybe going to be Justin Fields, unless they want to, you know, declare him out for an injury reason. And then they want to go back to starting Andy Dalton. 
neither one of them scares me. Um, Andy Dalton doesn't have what Justin Fields has in the running game, and Justin Fields doesn't have what Andy Dalton has, you know, in in passing or league experience. So I'm not, you know, I'm really not concerned for the Packers, no matter which quarterback plays. Um, and then when you get into their receivers, the Bengals have three good receivers. Chicago has one, and they're really not even using him, which is Allen Robinson. Um, you know, Robinson and Darnell Mooney both kind of underachieving, which you could maybe chalk up to the quarterback play, which you know Chicago really hasn't had any any quarterback play worth noting thus far. Um, and then talking about their running game, you mentioned that their running game is actually pretty decent, and it has been. This is this is going to be their second game without David Montgomery, who is the identity of basically their basically their whole offense, um, yep. and then especially their running game. But um, the the Bears' offense has two passing touchdowns the entire season. <laughs> so two passing touchdowns. <laughs> the whole fucking year, dude. <laughs> Holy shit. Oh my god, I, they suck so bad. Oh wow. That's hilarious. I <laughs> didn't expect that reaction out of you. I'm not gonna lie. Dude, the whole year. <laughs> All right. So they they will probably still try to win by setting up the run game. Um, you know, the Packers' weakness in the past couple of years has been their rushing defense. It's been better this season, as Jake already mentioned. Um but Jake mentioned the 16.8. Uh, points per game. They only convert 32.76% of their third downs. This is something I'm going to bring up probably every single week. Like I always have one thing I key on with every team. So for the Packers, you know, it's going to be third downs. Um, for the Brewers, it was it was walks. And for the, the Bucks, it was turnovers and free throws. So now for the Packers, it's going to be third downs. That's going to be the thing I'm going to bring up every single week. Both sides of the ball. The Bears do not convert third downs at a high rate. The Packers need to get off the field. Don't let the other team, ex- you know, extend drives, keep Rodgers on the off the field. Packers need to get off the field, get the offense back on, and you know that's that's what they do. Well, so that, and then, um, so the Packers are still, the Packers are still allowing, um, forty five percent conversions on third downs even after doing well against Cincinnati last week so the Packers third down defense is improving but it's not great and then the Packers third down offense needs to do better so I I said 27-13 just because I do think the Bears still have a solid defense um it's not great and it's definitely susceptible to the pass but um you know Isaac's comment about the red zone offense not being as good as it has been so that's where I'm at. Um, so three guys that we wanted to bring up, um, I had seen questions asked, were Josh Myers, Rasul Douglas, and Jalen Smith. I want to know your thoughts on these three guys. You already brought up Jason Myers a little bit, but uh, or Josh Myers a little bit. But uh, talk about those other other two guys. Uh, well, Jalen, who I played as a limited role, um, I could see him being used in like him just rushing a quarterback or spying on fields because he's got the speed to keep up with fields and run sideline to sideline with him. Uh, like I said, again, you know, rushing. And Rasul Butler, um, I 
know if he'll play. Uh, he probably will, just because, you know, the Kevin King news of him probably not playing. But if he's thrown into the role, then he's, he'll just go out there and play some That's, uh, that's Rasul Douglas. Rasul oh, Butler yeah, played Rasool basketball. Douglas. Sorry. 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 <laughs> All right. So, yeah, I mean, Jalen Smith, Rasool, if he uh, plays. Point up. I got to up here. <laughs> Um, Jalen Smith, if he plays, I could see it being somewhere around like 30% of snaps, uh, working him in on some special teams. Um, Rasul Douglas, I mean, the Quentin Dunbar signing doesn't really give me confidence that Rasul Douglas is going to really mean anything for this team, except for having guys in the practice squad to get reps against the opposing receivers to give our wide receivers, you know, just more guys to go against in practice. Um, it's kind of scary, but it's going to be Eric Stokes, Shannon Sullivan, and it's probably going to be Yadam as the third cornerback. That's probably what it's going to be. Uh, they might mix in some Shamari Jean Charles, but um, you know the Bears. The Bears are really a two wide receiver team. Um, they added Marquise Goodwin, but they do not use him. But they don't have a quarterback that can throw the ball down the field, anyways. So they don't really need a deep threat, fast wide receiver. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if, if we're going to have injuries at cornerback and be playing our fifth, sixth, or seventh corners, this would probably be the game that it's okay. <laughs> yeah, that's I would definitely agree with that. So, um, <laughs> yeah, you said 33-13. Set, I said 27-13. Um, do, you, do you have anything else as far as the Packers are concerned? Yeah, I think it's time for some weather report, buddy. Oh, yeah, here we go. Jake's weather report. All right, do it. All right, here we go. Jake's weather report. In Chicago on Sunday, it's going to be 65 degrees. Uh, winds west at 15 miles an hour. Wind gusts up to 22. Uh, no rain. And it's going to be 7% cloud coverage. I put the cloud coverage in there because there's going to be more cloud coverage than the Bears covering Devontae Adams because that ain't happening. That's your weather report. Enjoy your weekend, folks. We got to get a green screen behind you for that. I got it. Too. <laughs> I'll, just, I'll be pointing in the wrong direction. Like if you notice, there's a, there's a, a cold front moving in on on the eastern side of the field. <laughs> All right. Oh gosh. So let's keep it with football and let's move from Packers to Badgers. Now we finally have some good news to talk about with the Badgers, but. Um, before we talk about the games they played, uh, let's talk about Jalen Berger. I want to know your thoughts on what happened with Jalen Berger. Well, I don't know if I said it on here or if I texted it, but I definitely said that Berger was probably being an issue. I knew he was a four-star recruit, so he had a little bit of entitlement feel to him. Um, and he just got outworked by Malusi. And, you know, if you're a bad fan, I'm like, Malusi, it is what it is. The guy came to work. And if you don't want to work, you don't want to earn your spot, then, okay, bye. You're not going to get shit handed to you, okay? If you make it to the NFL, shit's not handed to you. People come up for your job every day. He uh, he just he just gave up, basically. He gave up on the program, and it is what it is. So I wish him nothing but luck, you know, wherever he ends up. Yeah, and then – For Wisconsin. Because we're blue-collar out here, man. We work for a lot. And the and the thing with that is, you know, it takes a mature approach to have somebody, you know, leap above you on the depth chart. Um, 
And then to go with that, you know, you can take two approaches. And I would say Jalen Berger took the wrong approach in this situation, but you can take two approaches. You can either work harder than the guy ahead of you and reclaim the number one spot, or you can stop showing up for practice. And that's what Jalen Berger did. He stopped showing up to practice because, you know, instead of, like Jake said, working harder than the guy above you, he just decided that, you know, he should have had that job without having to, you know, outwork the, you know, the transfer from Clemson. And, and Ches Malusi has, has earned his spot. He's, he's played well. Um, he hasn't turned the ball over. And, you know, we're going to talk about him in this recap. But, um, yeah, showing up, not showing up for practice is uh, not the way to go about that. I actually had one more thing. Uh, so my stepson, he plays Y ball on Saturday mornings. And it's just a little seven-on-seven flag football. And my step is very talented, very fast. He has good hands. He's, he's going to be a good player, you know, if he keeps his head on straight. But he has a little bit of an attitude issue. So we ended up going to Altitude. It's a trampoline park that night with him and one of his buddies. And I, when we were leaving, I bought them both, you know, some pretzels. And I'm sitting them down, and I'm trying to talk to them. Because I'm trying to turn these kids into men, you know. And I'm telling them both, I'm like, listen, I don't care if you're faster than everybody in the field. I don't care if you throw farther. I don't care if you're the best player on that field. If you have a shitty attitude, you are causing your team problems. And that attitude will trickle down to everybody else on your team. So I'm with the attitude and come to work. Because he gets so discouraged. I mean, I know he's eight years old. But, like, you got to get this mindset into these people. Because if you don't get it into them when they're young like this, they turn into Jalen Burgers where they think everything's handed to them. That's not how it works. Yeah. So he's got to learn his lesson. And I'm going to go to the game on Saturday, this Saturday. And I'm going to see if he actually listened to me. Because he better listen. Otherwise, I'm going to beat his butt because he's got a chance, man. So he's, people, coach your kids. It's okay to yell at your kids once in a while, okay? Get these kids so they don't feel so entitled. Because I'm sick and tired of walking around with a bunch of 17-year-old entitled assholes. <laughs> I'm not dealing with that anymore. Well, and that's a, you know, that's a, not just a, a sports thing, but that's a life thing. that You, know, you don't yeah. want to be in a position where nobody wants to work with you because you have a bad attitude. Right. So my dad opted in and asked if there wasn't there also an offseason issue that was still pending. That was two different running backs. One was dismissed and one was suspended from the team. Um, Berger wasn't uh, Berger wasn't involved in that. That was two freshman running backs, not named Braylon Allen. So um, it's a good transition into talking about the running backs. So let's okay. keep talking about running backs. Let's talk about the Badgers offense. Let's talk about Ches Malusi and Braylon Allen. What do you got? Huh. They carried us, man, literally and figuratively. Um, nice, nice pun. Nice. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> uh, the Badgers against Illinois, they were old school, man. They had 61 carries, 391 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, Malusi and Allen, I split up their stats. Malusi, 21 carries, 145 yards, and Allen had 18 for one. 31. They both had a long of 50 yards, a touchdown. Um, in contrast to Illinois, this is crazy. Um, <laughs> Illinois had 67 pass yards. They had 13 rush attempts for 26 yards. 26. They, had, they had 93 total yards. That is insanity. This Badgers defense, man, I know this Badgers team has been a letdown so far, but, man, this defense really deserves a lot more love. It really does, man. I mean, they it, it really, just yeah. shut out in the Big Ten game. Mm-hmm. That's tough, man. 
I mean, it's a. I mean, a shutout is tough to do in in any game. I don't want to. No. I don't want to hear that. Oh, it was just Illinois. Like a, a shutout is a shutout. Like they should have two. They should have two. They should have two. It's like a Chase Wolf throwing a pick six against Eastern Michigan annoys me. But I mean, you know, that just goes to show, like, even you know, even in Eastern Michigan can score a touchdown on you if you you know take your foot off the gas. Exactly. So. In the you know in the uh, in the vein of not taking your foot off the gas, Jake mentioned the ninety three total yards by Illinois. Uh, Wisconsin had four hundred and ninety one yards. So the ba- <laughs> the Badgers <laughs> the Badgers put up about four times as much yardage as uh, as Illinois did. Obviously, won twenty four to zero. So the the thing that I want to bring up with with Malusi and Braylon Allen is that they've they've both done well in different styles of running. Now we know Braylon Allen is is a stocky, muscly AJ Dillon type runner, and Malusi's kind of an all around guy. But <clears throat> on their touchdowns, uh, Malusi actually showed you know some some heavy hitting. He got low, he went pad to pad with guys, and he stayed on his feet and scored a touchdown. And then Braylon Allen on his touchdown, he kind of ran into the offensive line, took a step back, was patient, bounced outside, and then ran for his touchdown. So, you know, guys doing, you know, a little bit of everything um, is definitely something you like to see. It gives you more confidence, especially the ones that need that confidence the most. It's neither of the running backs. It's the offensive line. They needed this game for that confidence. Now they can go and do a similar thing to Army and build that confidence as they get closer to the Iowa game, which is going to be the next game that's circled on this schedule. But this game serves as a huge confidence boost for this offensive line that they were able to, you know, put up 391 rushing yards, um, you know, against Illinois. So um, that's that's the big takeaway. If you want to say, oh, they just beat Illinois, I don't care. They put up 391 rushing yards, and that's a confidence boost to the offensive line. Yeah, I agree 100%. Uh, one, one last thing I'd like to say is that the Badgers' defense had 10 pass breakups against Illinois. That's a pretty impressive number, and a, a bunch of them from you know from linebackers. So I was like, okay, so we're getting close to the line. We're knocking passes down. We're, we're hitting people. I just wish – just wish we wanted, you know, either the one one of the games that we lost, you know, either the the Penn State, the Michigan, or the Notre Dame. I wish we could have won one of those, and then we'd still kind of be in a conversation of like this team's still really good, you know. Mm-hmm. They just the turnovers, man, it killed us. It sucks. Yeah, and you know, um, Graham Mertz did throw an interception in this game. It was a ball just a little bit underthrown, and you know, for my liking, I'd like to see that ball out sooner and more on a line. Then yeah. you know, seeing the guys open and then trying to throw a, a go up and get it type throw. Um, you know, if that throw was just a second sooner and you know on more of a straight line instead more of instead of a lollipop type throw, um, you know that's a that's a completion for thirty yards instead of trying to go for forty five. Um, so that's something that you know Graham Mertz can learn from. Um, but he did enough to not lose the Badgers a game. You know, he didn't you know, he didn't win the game, but he did enough for the Badgers to not lose the game. So. Um, you know, hopefully he can take a little bit of confidence away from this. You know, even though he didn't play spectacular, 
but um, you know his his error that he made didn't hurt the team. Um, and what I want to say, I want to say that the Badgers have a big three, and all three of them are on defense in the same position group, and it's the linebackers, and it's Jack Sanborn, Leo Chanel, and Nick Herbig. That's that's a big three of Badgers linebackers that are all disrupting. They're all effective in the running game. They're effective in pass rushing. And Jake just mentioned the pass breakups. So those three are all over the field, all over the field. Even when when guys are breaking tackles, when you know the rare occasion that the Badgers don't make the first tackle, all those guys are just swarming. It happened once. Uh, Illinois had like a third and four, and they slung a receiver out. And he caught the ball right around the line of scrimmage, broke a tackle, and within seconds, there was four Badgers there making a tackle to keep them from getting the first down. That's a sign of a good defense. Absolutely. <clears throat> um, did you know that on the first six possessions for Illinois, the only first downs they got were off of penalties? That's impressive. <laughs> did you know that Illinois was one for 12 on third downs? <laughs> Did not know that, no. <laughs> did you know that Illinois did not cross midfield until there was less than nine minutes left in the entire game? Actually, that one I did know. I didn't know the <laughs> second one. That one I did know. So all those things combined, um, the defense is fantastic. Um, and then the run game is back to Wisconsin style. And, um, you know, even even uh, Chanel being used in the short yardage situations. He scored a touchdown. He converted a couple thirds and a couple fourths. And then uh, even Brady Shipper late in the game had some nice carries. So, I mean, I'm not saying that the Badgers are going four deep at, you know, stud running backs and you're going to have four different hundred yard rushers. But, um, you know, all the guys that they have in those situations are useful at different things in that game. All right. All right. You have anything else recap before we talk about Badgers versus Army? No, sir. All right. You want to talk about the Badgers offense or the Badgers defense first? Offense. All right. So for me, there's really just just two or three things that the Badgers need to do. Um, they need to continue improving in the red zone. Uh, Graham Mertz needs to work on his touch. And they yep. just need to keep setting up the, the passing game with the run. And they need to just pass just enough to keep the run game, you know, honest for Army's defense. But um, I don't see that being a problem as long as Mertz can limit his turnovers. But um, keep using the running game. Like I said, hopefully the offensive line built some confidence. Um, Army allows 276 yards per game, and 222 of those are passing yards. So maybe this is a game where we can see, you know, Graham Mertz get right a little bit and use Kendrick Pryor, Kemeray DK, and Danny Davis, and Jake Ferguson. Um, and then just get the run game going again and don't abandon it too early like they did against Penn State and Notre Dame. Yeah, uh, our offense, we're just going to have to pound the ball again. Uh, we're going to see we're gonna see that a lot this year. Pound the ball, try to set up some play-action pass to Ferguson or, or Davis, like you said. I mean, DK, just, he can get down the field. He's a good player. I really, really like him. That was a good find by you. Um, but, yeah, that's really what it's going to be. Just pound the rock and 
Play a big game out of Malusi and Allen and hopefully another dub. I mean, I think it's going to happen when you hear my score prediction. It's a little disrespectful. I'm sorry, Army. Thank you for your service, but not on a football field. <laughs> All right. So talking about you know, the Badgers' defense against Army's offense, um, Army has a decent offense. They are four and one. Um, so it's not you know it's not a cupcake game, but um, you know you know Army plays who they play. Uh, they're averaging 387 yards of offense, only 69 or only 69.6 yards on passing attempts. So you know their strength is not our weakness, which is the the, the secondary playing too soft at times. Um, you know their strength is their running game, and um, yeah, Jake already kind of foreshadowed it a little bit that it's kind of a similar to an Eastern Michigan type matchup where you know their their running game was their strength, and um, you know. The Badgers rushing defense is their strength, and uh, we saw the Badgers won that situation. So um, what are you seeing from the Badgers' defense versus Army's offense? Well, I got a couple things. Um, so Army on offense, when you brought up the, the averages, they have they are 16 of 33 on pass attempts for 348 yards. Yikes. Um, they, are, they have a 325 rushing attempts for 1,591 yards that's so, crazy <laughs> so 33 passes to 325 rush attempts yes that's like that's um, 10 rushes pass attempt. yeah it's crazy um the leading guy is their quarterback christian anderson uh he has 187 pass yards and 431 rush yards as their leading rusher and leading passer and on our defense our leading tackler is noah burks with 16 tackles okay that's crazy. Only 16 tackles. They we Badgers have 12 players with at least 10 tackles. 12. You know what that says to me? That the Badgers that? don't miss tackles. It tells me that the first guy to the play makes the play. That's fair. The Badgers and Packers both have 12 players with 10 plus tackles. I thought hmm. that was pretty crazy. Um, the one thing that I want to see the defense improve on, and it, it may be a cause they're so fundamentally sound and we don't get a lot of opportunities, is I want them to force a little bit more turnovers. They only have two interceptions and two forced fumbles on the yeah. entire year. So if they could create a little bit more havoc and maybe put our – maybe give field position on top of, you know, just – I mean, I know I'm asking a lot out of the defense, but it's kind of what it has to be for us to win yeah. big time. I mean, that's – that's, that's, uh... We're going to have the number two team in the nation coming to our house pretty soon here. So we're going to have to do something. All right. Hit me with your score prediction. All right. I gave him three points because it was Army. I didn't want to give him zero. <laughs> but I got us 30-3 to three over Army. I really don't think the Badgers are going to struggle. All right. We're close. I'm going to say 28-6. to six. Okay. That's pretty close. It's pretty close. I was I almost had thirty to zero, but I was like, yeah, this is all right. That feels mean. <laughs> I'm gonna give him a couple field goals. Um, the Badgers do have a little bit of a penalty issue, um, just grabbing on you know pass attempts. So that's hopefully something they can remedy against a team that doesn't pass very much. Um, yeah. And then you know the Badgers defense, the rushing defense is what it is, and it's it's great. So um, I don't expect much offense out of army but um you know i for me a couple of field goals isn't out of the realm of possibility so i'm gonna say 28 to 6 i agree 
All right. Do you have anything else Badgers related? No, sir. All right. Let's get over with. <laughs> I mean, we got to do it. Yeah. All right. What do you want to say? <sighs> this is what I'm going to say. And then we're going to move on. You cannot win with a bunch of 250 hitters. We don't have one 300 hitter in our lineup. You cannot win like that, especially in the playoffs. We just wasted one of the best starting pitching staffs in baseball history. Josh Hader was on a roll, and I, I don't understand why he threw a slider the first pitch to Freeman. That makes no sense to me. But here we are sitting here with the early exit. Um, Freddie Freeman's a good player, so that's another reason why I don't understand why he threw a fourth straight slider. Obviously, he had that up. But here we are. You can't win with a bunch of 250 hitters. I'm not blaming Council for anything that he did. I do think that he left Ashby in a little bit too long, but I'm not here to nitpick. Um, he he did a great, amazing job this year. Uh, we have a great GM. The, the Brewers will still contend next year. We'll still have a great team next year, but you can't win with a bunch of 250 hitters. That's my only thought. That's the only thing that came to my head. I mean, I wrote down the hits, the hit totals. I'm not even going to get into that because it's just ugly and You gotta you gotta get some professional baseball hitting. And Telez was really the only one that showed up in this series. I mean Willie had, I feel. Willie had five hits, but um you know, nobody played nobody played well in this series yeah. except for some of the pitchers. Yeah. And <clears throat> with this series, you know, we're not gonna get into a bunch of the stats or you know, say, you know, a ton about this because this was the playoffs. It was well documented what the issues were. And yep. you know, the things that I wanna say is that Craig Council is not getting fired. I mean, for as many people called for Budenholzer's head for how long after early playoff exits, it's now, you know, Craig Council is now looking at the same thing. Um, And it's going to be similar to what Aaron Rodgers said about the the Packers a few years ago, where it's not going to be a rebuild. It's going to be a reload. And, you know, the, the Brewers are in a position where if they can add some hitters to this team, they're they're gonna be in a position to contend. Um, the NL Central, it's it's gonna be wide open next year. It's gonna be the Brewers for the losing. Um, the Cardinals are getting older. The Cubs are gonna be looking at prospects for most of the year. I don't know what they're gonna do in free agency, but um, you know that's that's up to them. Um, you know the Reds, they're not really an intimidating team, and the Pirates live in and own the basement. So we'll see what the Brewers can add. Um, I, I, you know, I don't really know what to say. I mean, I'm, we'll see what they can add. That's really the only thing we're at. I mean, um, Burns, Woodruff, Peralta, Urias, Adamas, those guys are all here for at least the next three years. Um, Christian Yelich is obviously here for a long time. Hopefully, um, Hopefully his off season can be focused on getting healthy and then back into his form. Um, you know, even if it's just returning to all-star form, doesn't have to be, you know, crazy 2018 in the first three quarters of 2019 Yelich, even if he can just return to all-star form and, you know, get yeah. back to, you know, hitting closer to 300, like Jake was calling for. 
Um, one guy that I was really disappointed kind of disappeared in the playoffs was Colton Wong. Um, he, you know, he'd been getting on base all year and then, not, you know, kind of vanished in the playoffs. Um, Willie Adamas did a little bit, not much. I mean, Luis Urias um, didn't play game one, but, um, <clears throat> you know, he, he, he played pretty decent. Um, he played good defense. He got a few hits. I mean, that's for being a 23 year old in his first year as a, you know, an all the time starter. Um, I give Luis Urias a lot of credit for the stuff that he went through this year and then still, you know, performed pretty decently in the playoffs. Um, Devin Williams, make better choices, please. And then, uh, yeah, we'll see what they can add. That's where I'm at. Hopefully, it's hitters, man. Shit. Yeah. Uh, Ron, I just see join the broadcast. Um, we, Jake, what did we say about uh, Jalen Smith and Rasul Douglas? They'll probably play limited roles on Sunday. Is what we're both expecting. They yeah. they won't they won't be playing like 50 snaps or anything like that. Right. They'll be in the limited. Yeah. So yeah, for me, it's going to be yeah, about 30 percent 30 percent of snaps for for Jalen Smith and. Um, it's going to be more like Isaiah Yadam for uh, for cornerbacks than Rasul Douglas. Yep. All right, let's close the show on a happy note. Let's talk about the Bucks. Let's do it. Woo! All right. So oh, we're on, each gonna give. All right, do it. Do oh shit! Oh, look oh, at this guy. Shit. You should have led with that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk about the Bucks. Uh, we're each going to give three. Three uh, bold predictions like we've done for every team so far this year. So we're going to do that. I don't know if you want to lead off with that or if you want to talk about the team first. Um, we can lead off with that. I, I'm My first bold prediction is not very bold, but people might not agree with it. No, that's all right. I mean, let's start, let's start with number three. You give your number three. I'll give mine, and we'll go back and forth. Let's start with your number three bold prediction. Okay, my number my number three bold prediction is that Giannis is going to win the MVP and Defensive Player of the Year again. Okay, that that ties in a little bit with my number one. Does it really? A little bit, just a little I didn't, bit. Like, I didn't think anybody would really agree with with Giannis winning both again, but I'm like, yeah, I I think he said <laughs> DJ Ford makes a return. I think I'll wear a TJ Ford jersey for you next week, and then you can say he made his return. I keep seeing uh, memes of TJ Ford at Media Day, like back in like 2003 or whatever, and his shorts are all the way down to his shoes. And I'm like, man, the times have really changed. And they're still tied around his waist. He's just wearing, you know, uh, Andrew Bogut's shorts. <laughs> right. All right, Ron, thanks for checking us out. My number three bold prediction this one, this one's a little bold just because Jordan Clarkson is so damn good off the bench. But my number three bold prediction is that Bobby Portis wins six man of the year. Oh, I like that. So Bobby Portis, his role, you know, it really only increased as the year went on. And then in the playoffs, he played a lot. He played a big role. Um, his energy. I mean, how can you not love Bobby Portis? He's... Yeah. He embodies the the state. He talked about being a blue collar guy in a blue collar city, and his energy on the court is infectious. And I mean, there's there's nothing to not like about Bobby Portis. I mean, we talked about him last year. He's got a little bit of work to do on the defensive end, but offensively, he was one of the best three point shooters in the entire NBA, not just on the Bucks, but in the entire NBA during the regular season. 
And, you know, his energy through the playoffs was was just huge. So for me, Bobby Portis is going to have an increased role. I think he's going to be the first man off the bench, and I think he's going to be sixth man of the year. That would be the only good thing for the Bucks. Okay. I don't want to get murdered for this one, but I've given this guy a lot of hate. They're bold predictions. My second bold prediction is about Chris Middleton. I am now officially a fan and on the hype train for Chris Middleton. He has answered all the calls that I've asked for him. He showed up in the playoffs. He's made clutch shots. And, you know, he re-signed with us. Which is something that we don't always get to say about this. So here's my bold prediction about Chris Middleton. He's going to go 50-40-90. He is going to be an all-star. He is going to be second-team All-NBA member. And he's going to average 26 points, 7.5 rebounds, and 6.5 assists. I like Chris it. Middleton is about to be the man this year. I like it. And I, you know, the, it's not, it, it's a bold prediction, but it's not outside the realm of possibility. Right. I don't want to go crazy. Like with the Packer ones, <laughs> I went real, I went real crazy with my number one Packer prediction. And then week one, it was like, okay, I'm just going to shoot that idea in the face. Yeah. Right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, Wilkins, I have a Middleton Jersey. So actually it's a, I actually got a Middleton finals Jersey, but my my number two bold prediction ties in with Chris Middleton a little bit, and that's the Bucks are going to have three All-Stars this year. It's going to be the big three. All three are going to be All-Stars. Drew, Chris Middleton, and Giannis are all going to be All-Stars this year. Um, their chemistry is going to be way stronger than it was for the first third of the last season. And then, you know, they dealt with injuries and COVID and, and all of that, and then the rotation tooling. Um all that's gone now. That's all done, figured out. You know, they're familiar with each other. They're familiar with each other as people and players. Um, it's showing already in the preseason just the the way that they cut and pass um, and the court vision that they have. The chemistry is showing already. Um, so yeah. the chemistry with those three, I uh, expect the Bucks to be near the top of the East, you know, whether it's first, second, or third, doesn't really matter. Um, I'm thinking three all-stars for the Bucks this year is my number two bold prediction. Okay, first of all, Tyler, Grayson Allen might start. I'm just going to say that right now. He's starting. Grayson Allen might be the starting shooting guard. Grayson Allen is starting. My number one is I can't wait to buy another one of these. It's just going to say back-to-back on it. The Milwaukee Bucks are going to win the title again. There's a lot of drama going on with the Brooklyn Nets. Um, (laughs) A lot. Maybe Irving and – and now freaking James Harden is commenting on everything because James Harden is just like, oh, my God, I'm on a team and nobody's talking about me. He loves it. Irving. So I I don't the, – the Nets are really the only team in the way. The Heat have gotten better. Uh, the Celtics are still pretty good. The Knicks are going to take a step back. Atlanta's still pretty good. Atlanta, honestly, probably right now, off the top of my head, is like the third best team in the East. Because I don't view the Sixers as a threat right now with stuff going on with uh, Ben Simmons. Yeah. There's just too much going on there, you know? I guess we'll have to see what they get in return if they trade him. And maybe my opinion will change at that point. But right now, Atlanta's probably the third best team in the East. And that's behind the Bucks and the Nets. So really, right. it's just the Bucks and the Nets. And then the West is just still wide open. I know yeah. everybody's still talking about the Lakers. And the Lakers are going to be very good this year. They still got LeBron. They'll let Russell Westbrook do his thing for a few games. AD will do his thing. They'll probably have three All-Stars too. But probably. 
I mean, the West is wide open. We really don't know. And people are really downing the the Suns. The Suns could still compete and do their thing. Utah's still very good. There's a lot of good teams out there. But Clippers are good. There's one team that is going to win the title. It's the Milwaukee Bucks. And something that I'm really, really happy about is that Giannis has improved as a passer. Yeah, yeah. I was watching some highlights, man. He's throwing like hook passes to the corner. Like you better pump the brakes a little bit right here. I'm like, holy shit. You better better pump the brakes really quick. All right, let me give my last bold prediction, and then we're going to get into some of Tyler's comments here. My number one bold prediction is also that Giannis is going to be MVP, but he's going to average a triple-double this year. Oh. Oh. <laughs> hey, these are bold predictions. That's why we do oh. this. But Giannis is improving as a passer. His court vision, Grayson Allen is going to help out with that. Um, you know, you already mentioned thinking that Chris Middleton is going to have an expanded offensive role, which I agree with. Um, you know, Giannis saw it at times where it's not necessarily that he's deferring, but he's letting Chris do his thing. So they're yeah. they're coexisting as opposed to competing for touches. You know, they they both recognize what each other brings. Um, and so Giannis, I think he's he's going to improve as a as an all around player, and um, yeah, that's my last bold prediction, which is bold, but it's that Giannis is going to average a triple double this year. I like it. I like it, man. That would be absolutely insane, and he would definitely win that the MVP. Absolutely. So, a couple things. First, I'm going to address um, the Ben Simmons. Um, he's probably going to end up back up in Philly just because he won't have any other options. Um, Philadelphia is still asking too much in trade talks, so he's probably still going to stay in Philly just because nobody's going to meet their their expectations. Um, bold prediction is George Hill shoots 50% from three again. That is, I would say, in the realm of possibility. Um, I could see him in the, you know, the mid-40s, upper 40s. Um, he's going to have a lot of open looks playing with Giannis and Middleton, so... Um, and then obviously Drew is a very mm-hmm. good point guard. And then um, back to Bucks related discussion. Um, Grayson Allen and Dante DiVincenzo, they have very similar play styles, but bring slightly different things to the table. They're both scrappy defenders. Uh, they're both energetic on the floor, moving around. They stay active on both ends of the floor. But what Dante brings is effort on rebounding. And what Grayson Allen brings is better three-point shooting. So now when we're talking about who's going to be on the first offense and the second offense as far as you know rotations are concerned, what better benefits being on the floor next to Giannis is the three-point shooting. That's not to say that Dante isn't valuable to this team because he is. And they will probably, once Dante is fully healthy, will probably end up playing similar minutes to Grayson Allen. But putting Giannis on the floor, having three-point shooters around him is what benefits him more than having rebounders on the floor. You don't need a lot of rebounders on the floor with Giannis on the floor because he averages like 17 rebounds a game. So Grayson Allen is going to be the starter at the beginning of the year for sure (laughs) because Dante's probably still going to be recovering from his injury a little bit. Once Dante's back to 100%, he's going to start eating into Grayson Allen's minutes a bit. But having Dante on the second unit with guys like Pat Connaughton, Bobby Portis, and George Hill 
is having him as your second unit shooting guard gives you that rebounding boost when Giannis is off the floor. So that's that's why I see Dante on the second unit. What I will say is having Dante and Grayson Allen and George Hill and obviously Drew Holiday is I do not envy opposing teams' guards having to go up against those four defensively. That will definitely be a tool that we can use to our advantage. I 100% agree with that. Um, if you really think about all the additions that we, the Bucks have made, um, they really are all 3 and D guys. I mean, I, I wrote down the major ones, the major four, I guess I'll call them. Um, I wrote down Mamu, the rookie, obviously. I, th- I think he might he might eat in some minutes. He'll, he'll definitely be a star uh, in those games where we rest all of our starters. Oh, yeah. Um, and then, you know, the other four that I wrote down were Grace Allen, obviously, Semi Ojale, Rodney Hood, which hopefully we might get a better Rodney Hood, a team that, you know, it's a good locker room, got a winning mentality. And, you know, he's 6'8", he's long. If we can just get him to take a couple steps and give us something that 3 and D, he's got long arms, he can shoot. Um, and George if he's Hill, healthy, I mean, he can contribute. Yeah, we, we know what George Hill is. Last year, I wrote down all three percentages for all the guys that we brought in, right? George Hill was at 38%. Um, Rodney Hood was at 30%. Like I said, he's 6'8". So really what he brings is the ability to play multiple positions. And he's uh, so Rodney he Hood's been a good three-point shooter previously. Yeah. Uh, same thing with Semi Ozile. I mean, he's he's pretty he's a pretty good player. He's he's pretty much the guy, in my opinion, that is the, the same body size to really replace PJ Tucker. Um, except he's a little bit better on offense, in my opinion. He can pick and roll a little bit more, but he can shoot threes from everywhere, not just a corner. Uh, he's a thirty six percent three point shooter, seventy five percent from the free throw line. And Grayson Allen, man, I was actually really surprised at his free throw percentage, eighty six percent, and he shoots thirty seven percent from three. So I mean. He had the play the other night where he ran a pick and roll with Giannis, and he went and he dunked the ball. And after the game, Giannis goes up to Pat Connaughton and he said, "You might not be the most athletic guy on the team anymore." <laughs> and it's like we got a bunch of white boys out here that are just flying around the court, dunk the ball. Man. And then he's got Giannis who just looks like a god. But I mean, Grayson Allen is going to be really nice, man. He he definitely is more offense than DiVincenzo, but. I still love watching DiVincenzo compete on the defensive end, man. Like, he he is a grinder. And, you know, we get along with those kind of people. We love people that are grinders that are like, uh, I'm going to get out the mud, you know? Hustle. Yeah. That's why we love Pat. Pat's a grinder, absolutely. too. And they, they leave it all on the floor. And Dante yeah. is absolutely one of those guys. He'll dive after loose balls. We, I mean, you know, that his effectiveness in the rebounding, that's that's where that comes from, is his willingness to, to do the dirty work. And you know you need guys like that to help you know um, you know alleviate some of the pressure on a guy like Giannis or Middleton and Holiday, so that they don't have to be you know banging around with guys. Guys having you know dirty work type guys around your stars, that's how you build a championship team. Oh. So you know hopefully hopefully Mamu can become one of those guys and back up Brook Lopez as he gets older, because um, yep. right now the backup center is basically Bobby Portis and Giannis. Um, Budenholzer talked about running Giannis at the five. He's going to do it for some short spurts of time. And, um, you know, roll you roll Giannis out there with some smaller lineups. Um, he even talked about using Pat Connaughton as, as the four, the power forward at times. Um, you know, obviously that factors in with Chris Middleton on the floor, who is, you know, a few inches taller. Um, but, um, 
you know, Tyler brought it up in the comments, and it is absolutely the reason that they made the move was PJ Tucker leaving is exactly the reason they brought in Semi Ojale. Um, as soon as we as soon as we signed Semi Ojale, I went and started watching a bunch of his highlights, and he's a three and D guy. And honestly, watching his highlights, he's probably one of the better guys that's ever defended Giannis. Um, you know, PJ Tucker has done well. Bam Adebayo is still probably the he best defender of Giannis. But yeah, Semi Ojale has probably been one of the better defenders yeah. on Giannis. Um, if we come to a situation now again where the Bucks meet the Nets in the postseason, um, you're going to see probably three or four different guys guarding Kevin Durant. And that's going to be Giannis, Middleton, Semi Ojale, and Pat Connaughton a little bit, and Drew Holiday a little bit just because they switch a lot. But the three primary guys guarding Kevin Durant is going to be Giannis, Middleton, and Semi Ojale. I would agree with that. I think they'll probably throw uh... – they, they were throwing Drew Holiday on him a lot when they would take yeah. P.J. Tucker out. Yep. So uh, I, I could see them – because, you know, if we have DiVincenzo and we have Grayson Allen, now we have uh, we, we have that ability to just throw those guys at James Harden and Kyrie Irving and kind of yep. just let, let uh, Drew Holiday just do his thing. Because Drew Holiday's a strong guy for how literally, yeah. you know. Yep. He, he, can, he can get underneath you and annoy you a little bit. I think we'll put Giannis on him, but at the same time, I kind of don't want him to do that because I don't want Giannis to get cheap foul calls. But there is that new rule now, yeah, which might, which will definitely change the way coaches coach. Yep, I think that rule is going to allow the playoffs to be even better. Yeah, because now we're not going to get all those cheap ass foul calls. Now it's going to be, I am against you, man on man, best player against best player. None of this cheap shit. I don't want to watch that, dude. Nobody wants to watch that. Yep. Nobody wants to watch a guy pump fake, wait five seconds while the guy's flying in the air, and then jump and flop. Yep. I don't want to watch. Yeah, all the yeah. in the playoffs, I want to do it. Do my best. And Giannis is an old school kind of guy, dude. So I love it. That only benefits us because we mm-hmm. don't do that shit a lot. All right, the guys that the guys that have the the most changes to make are easily James Harden and Trey Young. And uh, Devin Booker is going to have to adjust to that. He shoots a lot of jump shots, and he does a lot of the unnatural leg kicks and the the head throws and the you know the chicken wings, all that. Um, but uh, yeah, those three are three guys that are going to have to make some big adjustments. But um, they might as well have put that in the rule book as the James Harden rule because that's who that rule was made for. <laughs> You see him crying in the preseason game the other day? I was like, yes. <laughs> yes. I commented on that on Twitter. I'm like, they made that rule for you, dude. Like, that's what it's there for. It's there because of you shooting 25 free throws a game. Man. Um, two comments in here I want to address. Ron, thank you for saying we have a great show. Um, we're live every week, so we can respond to your comments. That's why we do the show live. And Tyler, for your comment about Middleton getting a lot of those calls, Middleton actually, as far as the jump shooting calls, he does do some of the pump fake and jumping into the contact. But a lot of the follow calls that Middleton gets on his jump shots are for guys landing under his feet. That's where Middleton yeah. gets a lot of follow calls. And that's still that's still going to be a follow. That rule is not changing. You can't put your feet in the landing area of a jump shooter. Um, that's, you know, that's that's Chris Middleton's game. That's his natural shot is to jump forward a little bit. Um, so guys putting their, you know, their feet in the landing area, that's, that's still a foul. So, um, you know, Chris Middleton, that's still fair game for Chris Middleton. 
Dude, Middleton, this last year, I'm not going to lie. First of all, he did improve as a playmaker. That was your call. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he really, really improved at understanding the physicality of basketball. I'm not even kidding. Like, he understood that, okay, okay. I'm going to get bumped here. Or if I go to the line, this guy's going to be here, and I'm going to get hit here, you know, and I have to finish like this. Like, he just got so much better at the physicality. Yeah. And the wear and tear thing, I guess. He, he and honest, they both look like they got tired in the playoffs in you know, the last couple of years before, obviously, this. But I don't know. We'll see what happens. I think we're going to win the title again. So, so two more comments now. Um, Tyler's saying he would get the call right out of the screen and he would pull up. That, if he's getting a foul call in that situation, is going to be for like a guy grabbing his arm to try to keep up with him on the pick and roll or, um, you know, just, just guys trying to step in between the screener and the ball handler. Um, that's not what that rule is. Um, that rule is about the unnatural jumping motions, which is which ties into my dad's comment about taking a jump shot, stepping off to the side, um, just to try to create you know contact between players' feet. Um, it's not so much about the creating contact with the feet. Um, you know the unnatural leg kicks that is part of this new rule. Um, that's something that I would say that Devin Booker has has some adjusting to do when you you know do the fadeaways and you have the huge leg kicks. Um, that's not something Middleton really does. He usually, um, he's pretty good about keeping his feet under him for the most part. He jumps forward a little bit. Um, obviously fadeaways are fading away. That's why they call them fadeaways. But, um, you know, the, the feet getting tangled up, if it's not a situation where you're doing an unnatural leg kick, um, that's still going to be a a defensive foul. And as far as pick and rolls are concerned, um, fouls called out of that, um, it's not really going to be shooting fouls. It usually isn't. Uh, Middleton usually tries to pull up in that situation when he when he feels the contact and um, hears the whistle that he puts a shot up just to try to get a, a, a shooting foul out of it because Middleton is a good free throw shooter, which ties into one of Jake's uh, bold predictions. But um, you know, Middleton, Middleton, he he knows how to play the game, and that you know that ties into Jake's comment as well about being a better playmaker. Is Middleton? He's he knows how to play the game. Um, and I don't think he abuses the officiating as much as a guy like James Harden or Trey Young. Yeah, I agree with that. All right, so I'm going to talk a little bit about Sandro Mamu. Um, they've been calling him Mamu a lot is what I'm hearing, so uh, yeah. that's, that seems like it's going to be the official nickname. Um, Jake already hit it a little bit that he's going to be the guy that shines when they don't play the starters. Um, dude, Mamu's got some skills. Like, like he can he handle does, the ball. Bro. He can handle the ball. He can shoot. He's got some slick footwork in the post. He can dunk on people. Like, I mean, he had a slick reverse. They were playing the Nets the other day. Mamu had a slick reverse layup and drew a foul on Blake Griffin. So it's not like he was doing it against, you know, Nets reserves. Like he was going against Blake Griffin, drew a foul, and then hit a slick reverse layup. So like like Mamu's got some skills. Um, if we get into a situation where, you know, Mamu can he needs to get a little bit faster and have a little bit more athleticism um, and then improve on defense a little bit. But I mean, he's, he's got a bag of tricks. Who Do you want me to answer that question? Or are you going to answer it? We, we both uh, this, why don't you answer the question? And then I'm going to go on a rant about it after. I think Mamu was a better basketball player. Uh, Mamu can rebound at a very good clip. He can shoot the three. He could be a pick and pop, pick and roll player. Um, he can, can handle the ball. 
because he's a very very good passer. Um, doesn't play defense. Neither of them really play defense. The only thing that Mamadou does right. play defense yep. is connecting on the boards. Um, but Nomura is just a straight up just striper shooter, and that could be used with Mamu's skill set. You can run him off a bunch of screens. We've talked about this before. Run him off some screens and have Mamu just hit him with a with a pass in the corner, which they did. Yep. Um, I think Mamu's a better overall player. Nomura probably in the category of better score. Yes, and that brings me to what I want to say. Stop saying that Jordan Wara should be starting based off of summer league and preseason. Knock that shit off. Knock it off. Jordan Wara, he's he's a prospect. He was the 46th pick last year. He's not jumping into the starting lineup of a championship team. He's behind Grayson Allen. He's behind Dante. He's behind Pat Connaughton. He's not jumping into the starting lineup because he scored 30 points in a preseason game or a summer league game off of 20 shots. Now, that being said, Jordan Wara has a ton of potential. What I see from Jordan Wara is a a great three-point shooter, a willing shooter, a guy that shoots with confidence. Something that we want to see Dante do more of is shooting with confidence. Jordan Wara has that confidence. And I got to say, Jordan Wara... He's got a nice floater. Uh, he he puts in that floater. So he's got that. So that that answers the question that, that the way that Jake did is that Mamu is the better basketball player, but Jordan War is the better scorer. And, you know, as far as role or opportunity is concerned, the, the Bucks are much deeper at shooting guard and small forward than they are at center. So the opportunity is also bigger for Mamu. Yeah, I agree with that. Mamu can turn into a, a Bobby Portis. Bobby, yeah. Bobby Portis is a lot of things that, that Mamu does. You can post him up, pick and pop, pick and roll. I mean, Mamu is a much better ball handler and creator with the pass, but yep. you see the outlet for how Mamu can play mm-hmm. and the role that he can have on this team. Yep. And if he brings the energy and brings the tenacity, well, then he could be Bobby Portis on a cheap deal. And Bobby Portis is already on a cheap deal. Yeah. Yeah, and that's you know that that ties into what um, you know talking about the additions of Semi Ojale, Grayson Allen, George Hill, Rodney Hood, Mamu. Um, you know, losing you know PJ For or PJ Tucker, Bryn Forbes, uh, Jeff Teague, Sam Merrill, uh, Mamadi Diakite. I do really believe that the Bucks are a deeper team than they were last year. Oh yeah, I think they're and they were deep. one of the deepest teams in the league last year. Yeah, and they they stayed deeper where they stayed deep, they probably got deeper, and they got younger. And you know you know what the Bucks did? Is they didn't sign any of the flashy free agents either. They just brought guys that fit the system and that are just that are okay playing alongside, you know, Giannis and stuff like that. Got TJ Ford on the mind. <laughs> um, before we forget, uh, the Bucks do start next Tuesday. I don't know if Tyler mentioned that already. They start next Tuesday. Uh, the ring ceremony will start a little bit before the game, so they'll raise the banner, get their rings. Um, this is going to be the 54th season for the Milwaukee Bucks. So let's see if we can get ring number three in season 54. All right. So a couple things that I just want to mention yet. Um, Giannis playing in the preseason. Obviously, it's preseason, but he looks like he's in midseason form already. Jake talked about some of the passes that he's making and stuff. Yeah. Um, I want to say – 
Georgios Kalatsakis, um, Delorier, Tremont Waters, and Elijah Bryant. Those are going to be guys to watch for on the herd. Um, those guys are going to be guys that could be called up to the active roster, um, you know, in a situation where they rest all the starters type game. And then the the last thing that I want to say is uh, Lisa Byington sounds great. She sounds great as the TV announcer watching um, watching some of the preseason game highlights and stuff like that. Um, she she sounds like Doris Burke, but has more energy and is just better. <laughs> I don't know. If you ask Drake that question, he would not agree. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I mean, I mean, Lisa Byington sounds great. Um, her and Marcus Johnson have a good uh, have a good um, commentary relationship. So, um, you know, watching Bucks games, it's going to be sad without Jim Paschke. But um, Lisa Byington sounds great for for doing the, the TV play by play. I think one of my favorite memories of my life will be that the Bucks sent Jim Paschke off with a ring. And I really hope that the Brewers can do the same for Euchre, man. I really yeah. hope one day the Brewers can just send Euchre off with a ring, man. I mean, Ted Davis got one with the with the Bucks too, and he retired yeah. from the radio. So, yes, sir. All right, man. Bucks game next Tuesday. So next Wednesday, we're gonna have a Bucks recap to talk about. All right. So next week, we're gonna have Badgers recap. We're gonna have Bucks recap. We're gonna have Packers recap. Ooh, and we're going to be getting into college basketball primer time soon. So, um, you know, even though the Brewers are done, we got some exciting stuff to talk about. We're going to keep it fun on the show. And uh, we appreciate all the fan interaction. And speaking of fan interaction, want to remind everybody, November 4th, live show, Green Bay Parker Johns, 6 Thursday. It's a third, 6.30. It's a Thursday night. Come hang out with us. We're going to have a lot of fun. And uh, it's going to be a live show just like this one, except it's going to be all Packers on that day. Uh, the Wednesday before that is going to be um, everything else. And then Thursday is going to be just Packers. So um, you got anything else? Well, the other thing is they'll be able to see us in person. So that'll be pretty cool, man. Come eat some wings with us. Hey, talk some and a live pie bet. And a live pie bet. Which, man, you're gonna so, see, let me get the update real quick. Old man with a pie shoved in his face by an eight-year-old. It's going to be <laughs> awesome. Real quick, the Pickums update. Jake, his dad, and I are doing a, a Pickums update. Again, this is this is kind of crazy, actually. Um, Jake's dad's still in first. He has 57 correct picks through the first five weeks. Um, I'm number two. I have 56 correct picks. And Jake is in third with 54 correct picks. It's kind of how the pie bet went. Uh, the, the pie bet with uh, the hot dog bet, the hot dog eating contest. Yep. It was very, very close. Like We all had similar numbers, but... Yep. Oh man, if I lose by like two or three, I'm gonna be pissed. <laughs> uh, Just keep on CC and Aiden make your picks for you. You do they do better than you do. Thank God they got so lucky. <laughs> I was like, what the hell are you guys doing, man? You could have had 15 uh, picks right last week if you just overwritten them on that one. I know, man. I uh I did it with my girlfriend this week. And I told her that she's not allowed to pick the Jaguars. No matter who they're playing. I said, you are not allowed to pick the Jaguars. The Jaguars and the Lions are on a race for the first team to go 0-17. Oh, my God. The Jaguars are worse than the Lions. The Lions are actually a decent team. They could have a couple wins. But, yeah, they're they're just both used to losing, I guess we'll say. (laughs) All right, man. I I will see you next Wednesday. All right, man. Talk to you later. Take care.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.